Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. We're back to talk more episodes of Mando. We're a little behind. Best show on TV. Best show on TV. It's not TV, so... It's yeah, it's not the logo or the slogan of Disney Plus. It's not TV, it's Disney Plus. I think that's what it is. It is now. <laughs> you just came up with it. It's amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Thankfully, no other network has that. Um, we are gonna talk Mandalorian, primarily this most recent episode, maybe the most recent, the, the two most recent. Um, although we promised to do recaps of all of them and do the fact that I've been traveling a lot for work. We have not fulfilled that promise. So I want to quickly go touch on uh, episode three and four. I don't remember the name. Really quickly, just a quick, this is what happened. And then I I really want to talk about five and six, Uh, primarily those two, because, um, and I'll just tell you out of the gate, five for me was by far the worst episode and the only misfire of the season so far. Oh yeah. Uh, And real stinker. Then they followed that up with this most recent one, six, which for me has been the best. And so going from the worst episode so far to the best one so far, um, well, it was a sigh of relief. But we'll, we'll talk details uh, specifically why <laughs> I feel that way. And then speaking of Star Wars, we'll talk Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Um, but uh, before Mando, man, this is just the Star Wars week, right? I mean, we've got Rise of Skywalker on Thursday. I will be seeing it in IMAX 2D on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Yeah. Got a whole row that you know purchased a whole row just for um, yourself, though. You're not sitting with anybody, yeah, just so I didn't have to be by anyone. Other Star Wars yeah, fans I was like, really I do not want to sit by these people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're seeing it this weekend, maybe probably. Yeah, I'm gonna try to see it Friday. Um, okay, not Friday, then I'll catch it on Saturday. So, no, JJ Abrams is on your Mount Rushmore, so you usually get to see, he is. Go to he see is. his films uh, yeah. as soon as they come out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm. Are, is there any prep you're doing going in? I know you're not a Star Wars fan, but like, are you even going to rewatch The Last Jedi? I thought about it. Um, I probably won't, but I, I, I'm going to think about it some more, though. <laughs> well, I know you went to you just got back from Galaxy's Edge again. Yeah, I did. This is part of my Rise of Skywalker prep, right? Uh, there's you're, a list. You're getting things. in the mood. Had to get in the mood. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to go down to Anaheim uh, on the busiest day I can find, which happened to be Black Friday. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and I, I booked um, an appointment for my mother to build her own lightsaber. Mostly as for self, you know, self-defense protection type of stuff. <laughs> um, we're that's, not big covered, on the that's covered under the uh, Second Amendment. That's right. It's, it's a, a well-armed militia, Jedi militia. <laughs> it's the way I read it. And so... Um, so no, yeah, I actually did go with my mom. She did actually did build her lightsaber. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went uh, I went in there. I'd already built my own lightsaber before. It's a very expensive thing to do. I had to resist the urge to do it again because that would be an enormous waste of money. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, because I still found elsewhere to spend that money. The Droid Depot. Have you heard of this? This is one where you, you can build your own droid, right? You can build your own droid. Yes. Incredible. In Galaxy's Edge, you can build an R2 unit or one that's like BB-8. And they have this conveyor belt of pieces, just tons and tons of different options of colors and parts. And you pick the pieces you want. And then you put this in, the, in this little basket. And then you take it to the next station where there's people there to help you. And they have these little hanging screwdrivers from the ceilings that you pull down, yank down to screw in the stuff. Awesome. They try to make it all like hands-on. Uh, and it's a remote control droid. So in the end, you get this little, 
little controller and uh, you happen yeah. to have it near by uh, by uh, you or on your desk perhaps funny you should ask <laughs> i'm in a room that's dedicated to all of my star wars paraphernalia <laughs> and yeah i actually got it right here for those on the oh audio version of the pod what you're looking at here is a bb8 unit uh bb24 as i named him um it's red and black with a white base I'll tell you, I actually did a few different colors at first. I, you know, on the conveyor belt, and I ditched. I first went purple, like King's purple, and I looked at it, and I just, it just, I think seeing the the circular ball shape, um, and the the King's purple, and the Kings had just recently had a pretty bad loss to the Bulls, and it made me feel things, and I had to immediately discard it, and and Start I, over. I guess my anger led me to build the Sith type <laughs> of droid. Um, so yeah, it's that's um, really cool, actually. It makes it makes noises. Um, I bet I can get that on the pod. Um, let's see. Maybe it does. Are we allowed to broadcast the noises? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's not going to work. Of course, it's not going to work. Oh, we're going to get live uh, droid fixing see, on yeah. the pod. <laughs> Show me how the sausage is made. Let's see this. So I open this top here. It's got a little okay. switch inside. This thing is pretty intricate, by the way. That's little awesome. Tubes I had to connect. Um, so you, build, so you build all that stuff like you put all that stuff together yes even the colors of the tubes inside oh, wow. the, yeah I know, I know it's it's absurd but that's what the galaxy's edge is for it's for people like me yeah and that, then the head just kind of sticks on there like that yeah oh yeah see that yeah is he's looking at me okay incredible so i built okay he's, <laughs> he's got something to say okay Thank you. Okay, um, <laughs> I fin I finished building him. I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, the helper person is like, "Hey, you're gonna do you want to buy any of the attitude uh, chips?" I was like, "Attitude chips? Like, hold on, what? Like, what are you talking about?" And she points me to this wall, like extras, and there's these like little chips that you can put inside your unit, and it changes the sound. That beeping sound you just heard. That's like the yeah. stock standard one. Uh, because I didn't fall for the upsell. It's not a sucker. <laughs> Clearly. Um, you put your foot down after you spend a buck fifty. You're like, I will not spend a hundred dollars for this toy. Sure. <laughs> Seven dollar attitude chip. Get out of here. I'm not some sort of sucker. No, but yeah, you can buy these different colored chips that make different beeping sounds. They're like little, yeah, I know, I know. They've thought of everything at this place, I swear. Um and so, yeah, I, I looked at I, I thought long and hard about it. I was like, well, I mean, do I need it to sound different? And I decided no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that this has been part of my preparation for the Rise of Sky. And you went to the cantina. Is that correct? Correct. This is an this is something I did not get to do my first time around because it's impossible to book. You have to have a reservation to go to the cantina. Mm -hmm. It's the, uh, the only place in Disneyland that serves alcohol. So what better place for me, someone who doesn't consume alcohol, Right, but I wanted to have the canteen experience, and so we uh, were quick to get a reservation. We got, you know, thankfully we got one. Uh, we didn't get to sit down in any of the booths that look like kind of the the little tables where Greedo uh, was, you know, fired shoot upon first. by Han. No, 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 no. no Greedo nope. didn't buy anything. He didn't even shoot at all. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> turns out just Han. Um, but yeah, the, you got DJ Rex in there playing music. Who is uh, those who are familiar with Star Tours, the original Star Tours ride? You had the droid inside of it was D was Rex. Um, the new Star Tours, it's you know just old, boring C three PO and R two. Uh, but they've now repurposed it. They give them a new job, which is great because it's hard for Very people nice. that old to get and you know reenter the workforce. And so he's the DJ in in the cantina, and it was just packed full of people. 
you could buy uh you could buy drinks little shot glasses and rancor teeth for 75 dollars wow. oh wow or, oh mm-hmm. or you could have a, a wood carved pork mug uh with some seltzer in it for like 35 bucks which was I something mean, i definitely didn't do Oh, I was um, going to say, that's practically giving it away at 35 bucks. <laughs> it's a Porg. Yeah. Um, you know how much I love The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they're, I mean, basically they're playing the Cantina theme music on repeat. Uh, that's oh, just, <laughs> what else are they going to play? Michael Buble? I mean, yeah. how, you know, like, what are they going to do? Some techno? <laughs> People want to hear the hits. The one single hit that's ever been played <laughs> in the Cantina. <laughs> Different remixes of that. Uh, it was like, actually, also, yeah. that theme is only like five bars. It's very short. Not a long song. Yes. Um, I was hoping we were going to get the song from Jabba's Palace that they included in the special edition. The <laughs> um, They didn't play it. Not in the oh, rotation. Wow. Bummer. Yeah. They had a jukebox. Jukebox. I would have picked that one. But, uh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I've, I've been rewatching the movies also in preparation for The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And uh, we were watching one yesterday while we were, Lindsay and I were setting up her Christmas tree. And she's seen all of the movies multiple times, bless her heart. Uh, you know, primarily because she's married to me. Uh, I don't think she actually had seen any of them beforehand. Wow. But that scene comes up, that <laughs> inserted scene from the special edition. And she just like drops like the, the lights that she's holding. And she looks at it. She goes, wait, what is this movie? And she goes, this isn't, this isn't the movie. And I'm like, it wasn't, it wasn't in it. And then it was, and now we can't go back to the version without it. I, I know. It. And she just, with the horror in her eyes of like, wait, what? This is the thing you love? And and they have content like this scene? It's like, so it just terrible. Like, your, like reaction to it being like, I can't believe this isn't a Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, I think. It's so cringeworthy. It, it's, it sticks out in a, in a really, just one of the worst decisions in, in a sea of bad decisions. Oh yeah. Many, many. Uh, it's one of the worst. Well, because it's long, it's a song, it's bad CGI, it's hokey. Everything about it is just bad. It's bad. Yeah. And George just digs his heels and won't let, you know, won't let them release versions of it before. I don't know. It's crazy. It's seriously crazy. Um, thankfully, I have what's called the despecialized versions on my hard drive that I watch for the purists. Anyone so how many, actually, how many have you rewatched in preparation? I'm right now just so I didn't watch the prequels because I don't consider the prequels canon. Um, and so I have watched the, just the original trilogy. So I'll be watching Force Awakens between now and Thursday. I'll be watching Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Got it. Um, and so uh, great question here. Um, so do you think them releasing the next episode of the Mandalorian on Wednesday has anything to do with the Rise of Skywalker? It absolutely does. So I was when they first released the schedule for Mandalorian, they had that week on Wednesday, and they and I remember thinking that was weird. And then they explained that they didn't want it to come out on the same day as the Rise of Skywalker, which is interesting. But I'm grateful. I'll take it. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. It's great. Hopefully, it's more. Like, we only have two more episodes left of this. Crazy! Season. I can't believe it. You ready to go through these? You want to hit it, man? Where do we leave off? I can't remember. So we we did the first two we yeah. talked about, and yeah, we had right. predicted that Mando, who had you know Baby Yoda in tow, who Baby Yoda has taken off as even more of a viral hit since then. Like I mean, everyone is talking about Baby Yoda. Is, I guess my question I mean, is: Is Baby Yoda bigger than the TV series? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Because I'm I'm at Thanksgiving dinner in Southern California with Lindsay's side of the family and and her cousin who has not watched a single episode of The Mandalorian, was talking about Baby Yoda. 
and uh and how it's all over instagram and everyone's talking about it and i mean again she's not going to be watching the mandalorian but she was well aware of baby yoda so i would say yeah baby yoda has transcended the show itself um and along the way has made the show an enormous hit for disney plus which is great we're gonna get a lot of mando so oh, yeah. my question is is are they re-editing anything in these future episodes that either includes more baby yoda or let's say I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but say Baby Yoda uh, meets his demise this season. <laughs> they are definitely changing that now before that airs, right? I mean, yeah, there's no way they they can uh, let anything happen to Baby Yoda. Well, if Mandalorian and the Mando himself keeps up like, how good of a you know <laughs> a surrogate father he is, he'll mm -hmm. be dead by the next episode because he literally just keeps leaving him on the ship or in the <laughs> or in the possession of unsavory people. Like this guy is so bad. Um, I like I, I had a realization watching uh, this most recent episode when there's a moment where they're literally like tossing baby Yoda like a hot potato. Yeah. And the, the ship comes to a, a harsh stop, you know, it breaks and baby Yoda goes flying on the ground is rolling around. And I realized that baby Yoda was safer with Werner Herzog than it is <laughs> with Mandalorian. Like what? What? Yeah, this is a not this is not a better life for well, baby. We Yoda. know the scientist actually <laughs> was trying to protect him. Well, he claims that, right? Yeah. He said that he would be dead if it weren't for him. Yeah. The scientists seem to actually care way more than Mando. Oh, yeah. Mando had some like this misguided charity, but then he hasn't. He's like, I don't want it. I just want jobs. I just, you know. Yeah. Like, the whole the whole universe or galaxy of, of uh, bounty hunters have tracking fobs on this thing, and he still just <laughs> leaves it on the ship when he goes into town. It's crazy. Uh, good warrior. Dumb person. <laughs> anyway, so where we left off. Um, we left off after he gets baby Yoda and leaves you know, after decimating Jawas, <laughs> the Jawas oh, yeah. species. Um, and he's headed back to the original planet and we had predicted that he might turn in the baby and have second thoughts, which is exactly what happened in that episode. Exactly. And, uh, and so he, I love that he turns it in first, gets that sweet, sweet Beskar money, um, gets the, gets a whole new outfit. Uh, and then he's feeling charitable. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, technically, I got my best car steal. And it's like robbing a bank, spending all the money, and then going back and saying, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel bad about this. Thing. Bounty. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he takes Baby Yoda. In that episode, he is trying to leave the planet. Uh, there's a cool sequence when all the fobs go off and all the bounty hunters are after. And then his fellow Mandos who were there in secret, um, you know, they come to save the way, you know, and they say, this is the way. Yeah, yeah. And he takes off. And then the next episode, they're looking for sanctuary and they find this remote planet. Uh, not, not only does, do they find a remote planet, but Mando finds himself a girlfriend who's very interested in him, even though she doesn't know what he looks like. Um, he could be... <laughs> He could be hideous under there. Oh, yeah. But she's, uh, she's okay with that. Not a lot of options on that planet. Well, this helmet's pretty cool, if we're being honest. Oh, it's, that's why we have a show about it. Yeah. The, the, literally, the coolness of the helmet is why people care about it. What we more. do see in that episode is he does take his helmet off. Yeah. In an open window in front of the village. <laughs> he sure does. I love how he was just yeah. talking to the, to the woman in the village. Omera is her name. Um. And she's like, have you ever taken it off? And, and there's just the tension in the scene is palpable. And he's just like, uh, yeah, I did yesterday. And she's like, no, but in front of other people. And he says, not since I was a child. 
And uh, and so we we learn that he takes it off when he sleeps and he eats, but he hasn't taken it off in front of anyone since he was a kid. Um, and then she leaves the little hut and then he proceeds to take off the helmet to eat the food that she just brought him. And it zooms out to show him set the helmet down in a very wide open window. The kids Dude, out there playing soccer or something, you know, like they're out there playing games with baby they're, Yoda. They're kicking around Yoda in his back. They're literally kicking him around. Yeah. yeah. And Mandos just doesn't. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> kids seen worse. Um, it's okay. So, yeah. I, I really wanted one of the kids to turn and just start screaming at, when they see his face, you know, just some reaction <laughs> shot of a kid being like, what? But uh, what is no. this monster? Yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, the guy is yeah not the best decision maker. Um, no. So anyway, so he helps them. I actually really like that episode. I don't know about it's you. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. People it's very explained. Yeah, it's very uh, samurai. Uh, Xena warrior princess. Yes, Xena warrior princess. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Which is fun. I don't need every episode to be have to be like all about where's baby Yoda um, or like what's going on. in the Like I, I want those questions answered, but I, I'm okay with the monster of the week, as they say in the X-Files mm-hmm. kind of uh, parlance, like these kind of stops along the way, little detours. I'm okay with that. Now, what's interesting is I was okay with that after this episode, but we got two more right after. Oh, yeah. And so the, there's been kind of a debate among the Mandalorian fan community about whether or not like this is okay or people like this uh i'm actually okay with it as long as it's still good television like episodic television i don't want every single episode to be this cliffhanger that's you know builds to the next thing like i'm okay with some of these being self-contained and the idea of getting the directors that they have to be able to come in and make it like kind of a unique episode and you know i think it's been awesome uh until episode five Episode five, directed and written by Dave Filoni, longtime Lucasfilm exec. Aaron, break this down. It's what a problem. I mean, it's a problem. It's a lot has been said about how this was the ultimate fan service episode, right? So we they go back to Tatooine. That's the the, <laughs> the planet that A New Hope takes place on. And Mos it's Eisley. All, yeah, exactly. It goes back to Mos Eisley, and it's all it's playing the hits that we all saw. In a new hope. I mean, down to there's a fake um Han Solo. It, it's oh. there, it's everything is it's really, really stupid and bad. And I hated this episode so very much. And I watched it twice just to be sure that I wasn't overreacting. I hated it more the second time. So it's it's everything <laughs> that I don't like. It's it's basically it's solo. It's the yeah. the, the same things that were, were wrong with solo is what's wrong with this episode. Um, and I didn't appreciate it at all. So Yes, 100% agree. I what's funny is I watched this pretty early in the morning um because you know these things release at, I don't know when 3 a.m. or something. It's not at midnight Pacific, I know that much. Mm-hmm. Um but I woke up a little early before work, watched the episode. I really didn't like it and I thought okay, maybe I was just still waking up and I was grouchy or something. And then I watched it a second time and, and just like you, it was even worse the second time. Now, I I love seeing Tatooine. Of course this is fun. Walking into the same cantina, of course that's fun. Like, oh, it's a droid running the show. Not the guy that said, you know, droids aren't allowed in here. Like, I get it. Ha ha. Oh, there's a guy that looks like Han Solo literally sitting at the Han Solo table where he shot Greedo. Like, okay, we're look- get- moving a little on the nose here. Um, not to mention the battle droids in the little spaceport. Um, now, when he lands there, and I really like Amy Sedaris, don't get me wrong. But the character they have her playing, especially the music that started playing, was unlike any because I've loved the score, the Mandalorian theme song. Like it's very kind of westerny. I really like it. 
but there, there was this weird like kind of um whimsical music that was like really lighthearted that felt like really out of place and i really disliked it and her character was way out there um really didn't like what was happening there um, but little, little did i know things were going to get worse with new characters when we meet this guy toro calican which is like a name that i would come up if i was the worst fanfic star wars writer in the you know it's just terrible um and this this kid is some new bounty hunter who's looking for you know help on this on this gig but he's the worst actor i've seen in this show by far um and i i was so disturbed by how bad he was thinking like how many people auditioned for this and they landed on this guy and i had to google him and i don't know if you know this but uh it turns out i don't think this kid auditioned <laughs> at all <laughs> he's the son of bobby Cannavale, and um this is this is Hollywood nepotism, absolutely. I mean, Bobby is an incredible actor. He's one of I'm my favorite actors. Big Bobby fans on this pod. Yeah, huge. He's awesome. And look, if I could put my son in uh, or son or daughter in a Star Wars TV show, yeah, I'm gonna call some people up and say, "Hey, please do this for me." Right. I get it. But you've got to know when your son, when you're as good of an actor as Bobby Cannavale, you've got to know if your son or daughter has it or doesn't like, and his son does not have a career. In this <laughs> Tell you what. Ooh, but yeah, the references honestly made me more mad than even the locale beggars Canyon, another womp rat reference. Same, exactly. We have the high ground even yep. reference. It, it, it was like they were wanting to hit all of the memes and all of the, and so, and even this, the, the one good thing I would say is this assassin character, Fennec Shan, who's played by Ming Na Wen. Um, a famous Chinese actress, very good. The voice of Mulan. Um, this was her character was really interesting, mm -hmm. except her. She, you know, uh, spoiler alert. But she, you know, her she meets her demise a little sooner than I would expect. Now, there's questions about whether or not she's actually dead. Dead, and I'm guessing maybe she's not. But if she really is dead, that was a criminal underuse of a great actress and, and an interesting character. Also, absolutely, you're totally 100 correct there because. They say it in the freaking movie, in the freaking episode. Mando says, like, she's the most dangerous assassin that uh, basically has ever lived or is currently living. And she's just, like, they just um, yeah. talk her. Yeah, they just, they just like, old fashioned sneak attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A diversion, and then she's she's gone. So yeah. I don't know why yeah. she's so feared. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty yeah. cheap. It was really cheap. Everything um, about this episode was just cheap. I didn't I didn't care for it at all. So. Well, also, just it's just more reckless Mando behavior that I referenced earlier. He leaves the guy in the ship. He tried to do it in the in the previous episode, but Man, but Yoda was like, "No, I'm coming with you. I'm walking out of this place." He leaves him on the ship in Mos Eisley, a hive of scum and villainy. Not a great place. <laughs> Not only that, when he brings this bounty hunter person who's a, a someone trying to get into the guild, so obviously part of the community, lets him see Baby Yoda. Like that is the just the most colossally stupid thing. Like, of course, people are going to know about a Mandalorian with this child or whatever. And of course, he finds out eventually from Fennec Shan. But just like his reckless behavior exposing you know, Baby Yoda to people who will definitely want to kidnap him is just yeah, it's unforgivable. But And then also we get like the Amy Sedaris character treating Baby Yoda like a baby, which is just... I mean, we and we just had the previous episode where he was treated kind of like a baby. And it's just like, yeah. yes, he is yeah. small and he is cuddly. 50-year-old man. Yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, he's 50 years old. So treat him right. <laughs> have, yeah, exactly. Have some respect. He can use the force, we think. Well, he did once. Yeah. Almost the second time. 
So let's talk about the newest episode. Yeah. So we go from this Tatooine episode, which uh, the folks at The Ringer, a popular website, uh, Ben Lindbergh has been doing these these recaps on The Mandalorian. And he he his recap on that episode is exactly how I felt. Um, that the first four episodes of The Mandalorian had done such an excellent job of establishing its own identity within the Star Wars universe without relying on homage and t- too many references or too much fan service, like just a, just enough of the right l- amount of found fan service uh, up to now. And then I, they just decided in five, like, F it, we're going to Tatooine. We're just doing it. You know, no reason, but we're doing it. So episode six, we do have another detour. It's another another planet or, or in this case, a space station of some kind. Another job, except we get a crew of people and we get uh, Rick. I don't know how to say his last name. Fum- Fumia. He's the director of the independent film Dope, which is excellent. And he also directed the second episode uh, of the series so far. So he's he is doing two this season. Um, he um, and side note, he does have a cameo at the end as one of the X-Wing fighter pilots. But he directs an episode here that I was just blown away with. It's my favorite one um, for you. You seem to have loved it, too. Has it been your favorite? Oh, without a doubt. It's, this okay. is the longest episode. I think it was about almost 45 minutes long. And um, it's everything about it is perfect. It's This is like, it's so much fun. Um, it's a heist episode. But uh, we, we see Mando, Mando reconnect with uh, this old gang that he was a part of back in his uh, earlier days. Mm-hmm. And um, he needs something from them and they need something from him. So he's forced to join these uh, these gangsters as they try to break someone out of prison. And so it's a heist. It's a heist uh, episode. And um, the gang is made up of uh, Bill Burr, um, who plays uh, some sort of, I don't know, assassin type. Yeah, a former Imperial sharpshooter. That's what it is. There you go. He's a former Imperial sharpshooter. That's right. That's right. Um, And then we have, uh, he's the leader of this crew. Mm -hmm. And he's like, basically, he has three arms. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. Well, he's got a rig set up with yes. the third little gun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, their whole plan is to use Mando's um, ship to dock on this um, this jail. It's like a jail New transport, maximum security jail, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And so they dock, and then they're gonna um, seize the ship, and then break someone out of prison. We don't know who it is. Um, but it's the the ship is a maximum security jail. There's droids everywhere, and they're incredibly dangerous and incredibly deadly. So it's basically a suicide mission, right? Um, Mando, um, by the way, for being maximum security, pretty easy to get in. They got very just, easy to crack. I, I know that he has whatever cloaking thing on that ship, but like mm-hmm. they just kind of hop right in. Oh yeah, um, never trust droids is is really the <laughs> moral here. But um, you know. You kind of know that he's going to get double crossed at some point, right? You're right. just waiting for it to happen. Um, one of the members of the crew is this Twilight, I think Sheehan is her name, um, who apparently had a past with Mando. But we find out that it's her brother that is the you know prisoner and the, that they're trying to get out. Um, and they also discover there's a there's a human on board, a New Republic, you know, some sort of pilot uh, trooper, yeah, pilot um, who Mando tries to save, but uh, to no avail. And uh, anyway, so they lock Mando in the jail cell of Sheen's brother. I don't remember his name. I'm not going to remember the, all of these names. But no. uh, he uh, he manages to get himself out due to what I would consider pretty poor prison d- design by having a, a lock <laughs> on the inside. Um, but, uh, but basically, he gets out. And for the rest of the episode, it plays like a thriller. 
and it was really effective. The color, there's a, a sequence with strobe lights. Basically, he sneaks up upon um, each of the members of the crew who are trying to get out of there with the dude onto his ship. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda's up in the ship trying to dodge this this droid pilot. Oh yeah, who's looking for him? Um, and uh, and so they're, they're kind of cutting back and forth between what's happening on the Razor Crest and what's happening on in the in the kind of uh, space prison. And so Mando dispatches basically each member of the crew in various creative ways, and it was en really entertaining. Uh, and uh, like you know what he's going to succeed. That you're it's never in doubt, but it's just still fun to see how he does it. Uh, and they did a play on the whole, like from the first episode. Or the first episode, he does the whole like pulling a guy through the door and closing the door. And they kind of did a variation on that with the double door, which I thought was like really fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I just love how when he when he escapes, he takes control of the ship security and like he cuts off the passage between the party. Yeah. So he yeah. splits, them in, splits the four into two, and then he just basically stalks his prey. Yes, and, and I th think this episode you really see that he truly is a killer. Like he's he is a badass for sure. I think this is it's fully on display in this one. Um, which is kind of interesting because he had trouble with the uh, with the little guys, the Jawas, but he did not have any trouble with these killer droids. Well, strength in numbers, the Jawas, you know, yeah, and they're, they're, they're I mean, they're plucky suckers, you know, they sure they are. Are. Yeah. they're uh, I mean, he laid waste to many of them, but the, the Jawas uh, <laughs> <laughs> never underestimate them. Um, no, I, look, you're right. This was a great showcase to be reminded of. You know, Mandalorian's reputation is warranted, as Herner Wurtzog said. Um, he might not be a great father figure. <laughs> no. A caretaker, he is not. No. But when it comes down to it, like the whole cutting the comms off, closing the doors around them, I mean, it was thriller slash horror. Like some of these sequences almost like bordered yeah. horror. Like I really love that. I love them playing with genre in these episodes. Right. In this case, it totally worked. And also, Bill Burr, who I think you and, you and I are both a fan of his, you've seen him live totally. a couple times, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's for people you're really familiar with. Sometimes it can take you out of it when you see them in like a Star Wars movie or whatever. I thought he was excellent. Like he fit right in, and he felt like really like very Bill Burzy in a way. Like some of his remarks were like, "Oh, I, I wonder if that was in the script or if that's just Bill Burr throwing stuff in." Yeah, no, he was uh, perfect. I mean, we saw him in Breaking Bad play a yeah. very minor character, and this is the same, similar sort of uh, sort of smart Alec, uh, quippy very uh, acerbic guy and he was great he was perfect in his role i loved him yeah. yeah and we find we come to find out at the end of the episode that they are not dead he just uh put them in a he's like batman now i guess mandalorian yeah unless you're a jawa he won't kill you that's the other thing too is the Jawas. he absolutely didn't hesitate to to eviscerate them like un no. just they disappeared into poofs of smoke but with these people who i would say uh, were actually, you know, more dangerous. The Jawas were just dismantling his ship, not trying to take his life. <laughs> These people try to kill him. He, he spares them and puts them in a, in a prison. So again, great warrior, but uh, lacks some ju judgment, I think. Well, um, maybe I think uh, death was too easy for them. So leave them in jail and now they have to suffer. Well, yeah, yes. It's like Batman needs a villain. You know, it's like put him in Arkham. Don't kill him. Sure. Um, sure. This was literally like Arkham. <laughs> uh, we will seize these characters again. Some of them for sure. I think that's. I think so. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. But but we uh, only have two episodes left, though. Yeah, not maybe not this season. I'm right. just saying we will see those characters in future. You know, I probably the next season I would guess because we need to these next two episodes we need to revisit the main arc here. Uh, we still know the main baddie of this season sure. is played by Giancarlo Esposito. Speaking of Breaking Bad, 
we haven't seen him yet. Though at this point, I do think it's the person we see at the end of episode five on Tatooine who come up. It comes up to uh, Fennec Shan's body. Uh, he's wearing the spurs. He's got the cape. I'm pretty sure that's going to be him. Um, there was some hubbub about it, that being Boba Fett, but uh, John Favreau came out and was like, "No, nah, it's not Boba Fett." I won't tell you who, but it's not Boba Fett, which is a relief. So it's we have Django. To it's Django yeah. Fett. Oh, I think he meant like Jamie Fox. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, crossover. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so two episodes left. We got to get back to that to the main story. So, uh, so I will we do say, have, like we. Yeah, yeah, we do have a main story, but what is the main story arc? Where, like, what is the whole plot? It's say, basically, I, yeah, it's it's the why of the baby Yoda. Sure, what, sure, that's really what the main story is. Why? What's the backstory here? What do they want him for? Like, it's it's not very much, right? We only got a little bit at the beginning, and so that's why I've been okay with these kind of episode of the week approaches because, like, it's not like they laid this foundation that was like super in depth and then abandoned it. They just posed some questions which they will answer, they'll revisit, but they're taking their time doing it. And I think it's fine as long as they keep making episodes like this most recent one. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of um, what a bad father figure is, uh, Mando is, how about the fact that he puts Baby Yoda in just like a cabinet? Like that's not even a bed. He just stashes him away in some sort of... Yeah, I want to know a lot about the oxygen, like how air gets in there. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Like I've said before, Baby Yoda has taken a beating in these episodes. Uh, in episode five, he's being held by the by Bobby Cannavale Jr. and uh, I should say Han Baba Han Cannavale, um, <laughs> um, Bobby Solo. Uh, anyway, he shoots. He's holding Baby Yoda as hostage. Mando doesn't. He just still just shoots him anyway, and oh, yeah. Baby Yoda goes flying out of his arms. Easily could have died. Rolls <laughs> off like. At this point, Baby Yoda's got to say enough is enough. Like, I'm getting off of one of these planets and I'm not going back with you. And At you least give him, okay. give him some armor or something, some knee pads. Something. Well, I I will say, baby steps. At the end of this most recent episode, we noticed that he built a makeshift car seat for him in the in the front cockpit. So he didn't have to ride in the back closet anymore. <laughs> um, he got to sit and ride with him and gets to play with a little, little, um, little ball on the joystick, sure. whatever that was. And yeah. So. Uh, which I guess 50 year olds in this galaxy like to do. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I, two more episodes is the, I, I'm going to miss this show, man. Like I, this has been such a relief to have star Wars content like this since we've never had anything like this in the, star, in the you know, you know, all of star Wars content uh, in the, what's been, only been a cinematic star Wars universe. And uh, I'm glad that they're already in the middle of production on season two. I don't know when it's expected to air, but, Two more episodes, eight just doesn't feel like enough. When no, web is so incredibly fast, well, I can't believe it. Four minute episodes that's yeah. the thing, right? Yeah. And we're used to them, at least, you know, these if you're gonna have an eight episode season like an HBO or BBC show, they're like an hour, and so yeah, but I can't complain. This could be worse. Um, no, I think I, they uh, nailed it honestly to yeah. this point. This is like this exceeds any expectation I had coming into this, which is crazy because uh, I thought it was gonna suck to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Well, I I had I had higher hopes than you did. Yeah. Uh, in John Favreau, I trust. Um, mm -hmm. I still will ride for Cowboys and Aliens. It's decent. It's a decent film. Um, <laughs> with a bad title, Zathura uh, is one of my favorites of his. You know, I've never even seen it. Um, <laughs> I saw Jumanji, so I thought I was yeah, good. exactly. Uh, you, then yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, plus, Dak Shepard isn't he in that? Dak Shepard. Ah, who? I haven't seen it. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I don't, I'm not as optimistic for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I'm on the record. I, I'm starting to actually, it was more promo materials. I've started to 
uh, embrace and settle into the idea that I'm going to dislike the decisions they make in it. I still want to go in and just enjoy the ride of a Star Wars movie um, and just be okay with the fact that like the plane's not going to stick the landing for me and that's okay. It is what it is. At least I got The Last Jedi and I still enjoyed The Force Awakens. Um, but having Mando has really helped the psyche of the, you know, tortured Star Wars fan. Oh, absolutely. Um, did you, now, did you partake in any spoilers for this new Star Wars movie? I tried to avoid them the best I could. Um, but I wasn't completely successful. Oh no. Yeah. I had forgotten to unsubscribe to the subreddit r slash star wars leaks i'd previously oh, oh no to it from previous thing yeah, yeah. And so some headlines came through and i thought oh no and i clicked on them and i read them and I, oh no <laughs> yeah i'm not totally spoiled by any stretch but it seems like and you never know if these leaks are real or not but it just seemed like some of the decisions that worried me uh like just confirmed those uh, suspicions well don't we know that um Someone got a hold of a, a, a script or something. John Boyega yeah. left his script underneath his mattress in a in a restaurant or a, not restaurant in a excuse me in a flat in a I guess in London or something mm-hmm. that he moved out of. And I don't know whoever's in charge of cleaning it or the new people that moved in or whatever they found it. Full script to the Rise of Skywalker. They put it on eBay. So this was clearly an amateur. <laughs> That's <laughs> the first it. place I would put it. eBay. And uh, he went up on eBay. Disney f- immediately finds it, uh, and they, you know, purchase it back from this person, and yeah. probably put them in. I mean, we don't know where this person is. I'm guessing in Disney jail, like underneath Disneyland. <laughs> they're, they're not. Yeah, we have not seen them. Right? Like, <laughs> family hasn't heard from them in a long. They're time. in that uh, floating space station jail that Mando broke into. <laughs> they're in a cell up there. <laughs> That would have been a great Easter egg because in this episode they're walking by and you see the different cells, uh, like you see Rio or the uh, the species of the character Rio from Solo, which was voiced by John Favreau, which is why he kind of put that, in that little the kind of monkey looking you know six armed thing, uh, and then you just see a human being that's just a normal Earth clothes that just looks freaked out, and they're just repeatedly saying like I don't know I just put it on eBay. I didn't know, uh, but uh, <laughs> while doing the damage control of on, on this situation, like they're trying to make light of it in these late night interviews while doing promos, like, you know, JJ Abrams told the story at first without saying who in the cast had left it there, you know, but he kind of laughed it off, you know, no harm, no foul. They got to it before anyone purchased it. And, and, and they claim the person who sold, uh, sold it didn't even read the script. They just saw it was a Star Wars one and thought maybe someone would want it. And they just put it on it. They didn't really know what it was, which is an explanation that I don't believe for even a second. No, there's you, no. If you know that it's a Star Wars script that's getting put up, that's worth putting on eBay, it means you read the entire thing. Oh, you made a copy for yourself, is what that Absolutely. means. Absolutely, you went to Kinkos right yeah. away. Um, you you put it on a thumb drive, on a PDF on a thumb drive, in a safety deposit box is what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why this that person again, I suspect they're not with us anymore. <laughs> um, and so they're in uh, carbonite right now. They are in carbonite. In, <laughs> yes, in JJ's palace <laughs> in the Hollywood Hills. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, that poor person. Uh, they tried. <laughs> they tried too bad. eBay is a public site. Um, anyway, so I'm grateful for Mando. That's 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 the moral of the story. Um, now we are we are at the 45 minute ish mark here. We still have to talk knives out. Do you want to go through it quickly? Yeah, we don't have to go too in, de- in depth. I mean, speaking of Star Wars, Ryan yeah. Johnson's follow up film to The Last Jedi. 
did you have any concern that because a lot of I think I think the the heat that the Last Jedi has taken in the community um, has been overstated. Now, certainly, it's the most divisive Star Wars film of the sequel era, um, or even of the OT. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's worse than the prequels, but um, people were saying like Ryan Johnson was like oh, like done, right? Like this would affect people's desires to go see his films. Did you buy into that at all? Did you think Knives Out had, was in danger of not making money? No, of course not, because before Ryan Johnson, the whole reason that Ryan Johnson got the star Wars gig is because he's a hell of a director. Like he's, he made really interesting genre movies to this point. So I knew that going back to his genre roots, he was going to do something interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, that's what I figured at least. So that's what I was banking on um, so, going into this. So did he make something interesting? Uh, yes. I'm going to say yes. Oh, you hesitated. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's good. It's really good. Um, Knives Out is just, it's again, it's another genre movie like he's done in his past. Uh, it's a whodunit. It's a whodunit. It's a mystery. It's an old school murder mystery, like a real mystery type of movie where you get the big reveal at the end and you have like, like the clues leading up to it. And then um, it culminates in the whole uh, someone laying out how everything went yeah. down. And then, you know, you revisit all the scenes, which is the classic movie mystery. Yep. Uh, and it's fun. Like the movie above, above anything else, this is a fun movie. And if you go into it and you want that, that you like that style of movie, the old school uh, murder mystery, then you're going to have a good time in this. It's funny. Um, and it's really well made. Uh, the story is, it's, it's yeah, pretty tough. Like, it, no, but... no, no, not going to spoil the story, but I will say that the directing is, is um, it's very, it's, it's Ryan Johnson. Like he's such yeah. a pro. So in that good. director's chair, like he is a maestro, um, and he really just like makes these character. He he understands how to treat his characters and how um, how to make characters that serve a story. And this is this is what this movie is all about. It's the characters. It's really it's driven by the characters. Um, so, and speaking of those characters, this is quite a cast that he yeah. assembled for a forty million dollar budget, which means several of these people did not get their their normal rate because they wanted to work with Ryan Johnson they wanted to make this this fun who done it you know caper which by the way just has been wildly successful uh on a 40 million dollar budget uh, i think 162 million worldwide worldwide yep so uh we're look you know looking at this cast um i'm curious for you like who who stands out as mvps of this movie everyone kind of has their part to play who, who are the standouts? Yeah, I think, well, the biggest name in the movie, the biggest names are Daniel Craig and Chris Evans, right? Uh, Captain America and James Bond. Correct. Um, but this movie is actually Anna de Armas. Her, this yeah. is her movie. Like it's she's the main character. She's the main character. It's all about her. Um, she plays like the caretaker of the uh, of Christopher Plummer's character, um, the author. Well, that's the story. So the story is this, yes. um, this uh, patriarch, character um, this, novelist. yeah he's a very successful novelist sold 80 million copies of his uh, various books over his career um he lives like a recluse his family is uh basically these he has a family of ingrates um oh you say ingrates i say self-made people but okay. yeah 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 so they're very very well off and they're they're all uh jerks and they don't really like each other um and the way the movie starts out is he dies and they're trying to figure out how he died and who killed him. 
on the uh, evening of his birthday, the eighty sixth yeah. or eighty fifth or something birthday. Yeah, something he dies. Like a, he dies at a at the uh, after his birthday party. So um, it's very suspicious. It looks like a suicide, right? Yeah. Isn't that what they first say? He ruled that way. Initially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but someone someone mysteriously pays uh, a detective, played by Daniel Craig, a private eye. To come in and investigate because they don't believe that it was a suicide. They think something else was afoot. And so that's how Daniel Craig uh, gets mixed up with these characters. Yeah. So this, there's a couple of things that they do. And, you know, it's a classic whodunit. But Ryan Johnson throws in kind of a few new wrinkles that I appreciated. And again, we're not going to spoil anything. But a couple of those wrinkles were that Anna DeArnis's character, uh, the main character, uh, she has this thing where she can't lie. Otherwise, she has this kind of gag reflex. She'll throw up if she tells a lie, which is, you know, not realistic, but super fun for a movie yeah. where a lot of what happens are there's cops and this private detective who are asking questions to each one of these people in an individual sessions. And, you know, throughout the movie, obviously, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And knowing that she has to tell the truth is kind of a fun thing, right? Uh, or the idea that, like, if you see her throw up, you wonder, like, oh, you know, what was the lie? Um, in the, but I would say the most significant difference here than a classic whodunit is that you come to find out what actually happened the evening of the birthday party and what exactly transpired fairly early on in the movie. Like right around the second act, you actually learn what happens through flashbacks. Again, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say what happens, but that like usually that's the thing that you figure out at the very, very end. But you you learn that, so that's kind of the suspense of ex the exactly like how and what is kind of removed, but there's still mystery surrounding what's going on with the family, the estate, who had paid the private detective, who was suspicious of this. And so I really liked that element of like, okay, there's, you're still trying to figure this out, even though we know what happened. It was really, really clever and just really well executed. Yeah. And that's, that's how he turns it on its head really, because that's, that's the twist of the movie is you do figure out exactly what happens pretty early into it. But the fun of the movie is the last third of it, really. Like that's oh, great. That's yeah. the best part. And so, um, and all the characters are really interesting. It's like you have, uh, yeah. I think um, for me, Don Johnson was <laughs> is really good. He plays the husband of um, the, uh, the the one of his daughter or the eldest daughter, I think. Yep, Jamie um, Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Yeah, um, you have Tony Collette. Uh, Plays, who is, uh, who is the, yeah, a, a daughter-in-law. Mm -hmm. Neurotic daughter-in-law. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Chris Evans is the, the grandson. He's, he's the son of uh, Don Johnson and Jamie Lee Curtis's characters. So and you've uh, got Michael Shannon. Yep. Who is another son who is basically, he is in charge of running the business of the novel, which we, you know, the business of, I guess, just getting the books published. Yeah. Uh, the empire. Yeah, he's just running the day-to-day -day operations of the empire um and his we have his he has a son and uh, he has a wife in the film as well but not one of the main build uh actors um and then yes and then tony collette character has a daughter as well who's uh, apparently from 13 reasons why a famous netflix show i never watched but i guess mm -hmm. she's well known and so you have these groups of this group of people that is you know they are from varying political persuasions as you come to find out and i wouldn't say this is like a super political film but there's definitely uh themes that are that are timely and political um and they have arguments and conversations on uh, you know from both perspectives that i thought were pretty entertaining it was pretty funny um, yeah 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 and I, I felt like you know 
certainly Ryan Johnson is, you know, it's no secret that he's going to be on the liberal side of things. But I felt like the arguments presented, uh, even from the conservative viewpoint, were at least presented authentically. The arguments were like actually the arguments that are being made about certain issues. And so I don't think he was trying to lambast anybody. But um, but it was no, just it, fascinating because, yeah, yeah, what are you say? I was just going to say it's it's funny because uh, the way he he showcases how tone deaf his characters are is yes. really funny. Like that's yeah. that's the funniest part of it is really just how out of touch some of them are. It's great. Oh yeah, well that's the thing is at the end of the day these are all hyper wealthy white people in New England and you got, you know, Tony Collette's character is this I mean it's clearly an, uh, a knock at Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, she has like a goop type like a wellness brand uh-huh. sells random stuff and she was in one point in the movie when they're talking politics she says something like there's literally nazis everywhere on the street and things <laughs> like that you know so she's a look you know she says some um fairly hyperbolic things and then don johnson is kind of on the other end of that and it's it makes for really interesting banter but at the end of the day what what we're seeing is these people that are vultures that are and this is i mean this is no secret. We've seen it in movies and in real life. But when a rich person passes and their estate is then kind of doled out or the well or the will is read and whatnot, like it is people go crazy. People lose their minds. And even even though they're otherwise great and decent people, it makes people go crazy. And that's I mean, read it in greed and in entitlement and in all a number of things, which is our themes in this film. Um, but each one of these people who have obviously been helped in their career by having been raised in a very wealthy home they all insist repeatedly throughout the film that they are self-made people um you know even jamie the curtis uh trying to make a you know distinction between herself who she's run her own business versus her brother who runs the you know the novel empire yeah and uh one of my favorite sequences daniel craig is just kind of interviewing her innocently asking her questions and and he's like, oh, you start, you're, you know, you start your own business just like your brother, you know, two successful self-made, you know, business people. And she's like, well, I mean, it's not the same, you know, like <laughs> she doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't get the equivalent. But of course, we find out she started her business with a million dollar loan from daddy, you know, <laughs> a just, small million dollar loan. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what political persuasion these people are. They're all ultimately wanting money. This is like they want their, you know, and so it's I like the whodunit genre within this um you know kind of within the story of a rich estate being divvied up and it just it adds a lot of different elements uh and and, again no matter who you're talking about in this family each one of them whenever they're talking to uh marta who's played by anna de armas they keep referring to the countries that she's from none of them clearly know where she's from but they (laughs) in various points was one of my favorite bits in the movie people be like you know from she's from ecuador or her family's from brazil or from Mm -hmm. uruguay or paraguay and it's just there's it's just they just don't know they have no idea where she's from and it's it's pretty hilarious uh they just don't care also she wasn't invited to the funeral um and each one of them say that they wish that she was there but they were outvoted it's just it's funny to see how they how two-faced every single person is yeah it's just it's really really hilarious to watch it, it yeah, adds a lot of fun. that's the that's the really the co- the comedic aspect to it is just how ruthless and uh greedy they all are and uh what's interesting is like they all have a motive for wanting the the grandfather dead which is you know that's why the police are there investigating really um so yeah, it's. I think it's a really effective movie and it's fun, and I think it's the yeah. perfect uh, sort of Saturday or sa- Sunday afternoon time killer. So, 
they released it in the perfect time. It was Thanksgiving yeah. week. It's a great family. Like, go have a good time at the movies. It's not super highbrow, but it's really well made and super fun. Um, 97% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% from, from audiences. So across the board, people are really loving it. You know, A-plus cinema score. Um, I'm assuming. I didn't look that up, but I feel strongly that it's probably A-plus. A-plus plus is what I'm going to Yeah, maybe say. two pluses. Why not? 4.0 GPA this movie has. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if anyone doesn't know uh, the other movies that Ryan Johnson has directed, uh, yeah. he's directed uh, Brick, yeah. um, Looper, um, uh, Last Jedi. He directed uh, some Breaking Bad episodes that yeah, were pretty, yeah. some pretty timeless episodes. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a guy that um, doesn't work a lot, but when he does uh, make stuff, it's really interesting always, um, yes. except for The Last Jedi. But yeah, other than that. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, it's his best film. I mean... <laughs> A few people could step into, you know, uh, the biggest IPs or franchises in film history and just walk away having made a top two film in that genre, you know, in that series, which, which is what he did. Pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> um, someone asked me, by the way, just while we're talking about Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi, uh, uh, a good friend of my brother's, uh, and I guess me too. I'll call him a friend. His name is Brandon Meekham. He tweeted at me recently and said, he's just begging. With all sincerity, to explain to him why I love the Last Jedi, he just really wants to understand, you know, what's the, the reasoning behind people that love it, and uh, he asked me to convert him. So um, let's just say, stay tuned for what will certainly be the longest Twitter thread that I've ever written. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to break this down for Brandon. You're going to baptize uh, him in the waters of the Last I, Jedi. It's going to be a full immersion baptism. We'll put it that way. No sprinkles <laughs> on this one. We're going all the way under. <laughs> And um, I, uh, look, it's fine if Last Jedi is not everyone's cup of tea. But if you ask me to convert you, brother, I will be relentless. <laughs> so, you know, everyone loves a good hyper long Twitter thread. Um, so oh, yeah, that will be exciting. Make sure um, to pin it. Make sure it's your pin. Oh, it will be pinned. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna at several other people just and write CC. You know, <laughs> and like Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, JJ <laughs> Abrams, even. Oh yeah. Um, that's the way Twitter is supposed to be uh, done or tweeted. Um, all right. Knives out. Any other final thoughts other than the fact that Chris Evans seemed to be smiling throughout this whole film because he didn't have to be playing Captain America. got to play an a-hole. Oh, he loved out. it. Yeah, he yeah, absolutely he loved it. it. Yeah. I will say my biggest complaint about this movie is um, the use of Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. We love Lakeith here. <sighs> huge, Lakeith huge is- Lakeith fans. So good. And I, I love that Ryan Johnson thought to cast him as, you know, one of the, he's like the main detect, like mm-hmm. police detective. And uh, Lakeith is a great actor. Sorry to bother you is a good showcase of what he can do. Uh, obviously the show Atlanta, he's great in. But the part here is just kind of a subdued cop who's kind of spec- a little skeptical of Daniel Craig's, you know, Benoit detective. And he just doesn't really get to do like Lakeith doesn't get to really show what he's capable of doing as an actor. And no, so, it's, it's very cookie cutter. And the, the part is like, anyone. yeah, it really could have been anyone. And so it's not his fault. It was just, that's what the role called for, unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah. But I'm still happy to see Lakeith getting work. Absolutely. We will see him get more work in the Safety brothers upcoming release, uncut gems, which I think is my most anticipated film for the remainder of the year. I don't know how Same much um, I'm, oh, I'm, I got into a free press screening Monday, brave little pod. 
um, I got invited to 1917, the Sam Mendes Ooh, film. Wow, very so cool. So I'm bringing along uh, my friend Clay. So tomorrow we will see 1917 a week or two ahead of its release. I think it comes out on Christmas. And so, um, yeah, I will uh, report on that one after you know we see it. So I'm looking forward to it. I would have seen it anyway. World War One isn't really my genre. I'm a World War Two guy. Um, <laughs> I'm a World War Three guy. You so. mean Nam? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I need more Korean War movies. Um, <laughs> no, nah, so yeah, we got that. We've got Uncut Gems, which I think is Christmas Day. Whenever it goes wide, I can't see it fast. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. And uh, yeah, and then Rise of Skywalker, of course. So, um, so we will be doing that next weekend. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 